What is going on, everybody? It's me, your host, Nicholas Willard, and this is Almost Canon. Alright. Now, if you have a story or encounter that you want to share with the show, please send me an email at almostcanonpodcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Facebook at Almost Canon Podcast. We also have an Instagram page where you can send us a message through there, which is at Almost Canon Pod. Um, either way, just send us your message. We want to hear your story. We want to hear your encounter. So it doesn't matter how you do it, just do it. Alright, now, I got another somewhat short episode for you this week. But that doesn't mean by any means that it's a bad one. Actually, I feel like this this is one of the more exciting episodes um, that we've had here at Almost Canon. So... I got a couple messages sent to me this this you know this week end of last week. Uh, one was it was a comment on a Facebook post um, from a couple episodes ago with uh, the 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 dark man and the gray lady, and another is an email that I received from uh, someone who they wish to remain anonymous, um, and you know I'm obviously cool with that. We don't need to name names or anything. And I wasn't exactly sure whether I wanted to post this or not. I didn't know if I was uh, being messed with, if this guy was just sending, you know, some sort of made-up story. I don't know. But if this is a real encounter, um, then th- this is insane. This this guy, he had one hell of an encounter out there in Virginia, um, I believe it was the Pocahontas State Forest, maybe? State Park? Um, anyway, we'll, we'll get into it. I'm telling you, this is, this is something that you never want to have happen to you. And I mean, I don't, I, we'll get into it. I'm telling you, like, this is something, this, this is nuts. Um, so, we'll, we'll just, we'll jump right into those. I mean, I don't have a whole lot to share Obviously, October, we're in November now, November 3rd, November 2nd, I don't know. Uh, October did not go the way that I had planned. Uh, I had a couple movies that I wanted to get out there uh, that we were going to review. You know, I took all sorts of notes on on Coraline and Ginger Snaps and Scream. Uh, We obviously didn't get to any of those. Um, And I wanted to put out some real creepy episodes and then, you know, life got in the way. That didn't work out. But I think this episode will make up for all of that. All right. So we are going to just jump right into this. And and I'm not going to name the, this commoner's name. If, if you want to know more, you can go on the Facebook and check it out. But here, here here's a story. Um, had an encounter with the hat man when I was... 11 or 12. My dad was in the army and we were stationed in Fort Knox, Kentucky. I remember that everyone had gone to bed and the house was dark. I think I woke up because of the banging on the bathroom door. It sounded like something big was being thrown into the door. The bathroom was across the hall from my room. I slept with my door open 
so I could clearly see the door from my room. Everything suddenly stopped, and several large orbs streaked down the hallway towards the living room. I sat up in my bed to get a better look when this large black figure stepped out from behind my door. It was a tall, it was as tall as the ceiling, completely black, with a wide smile, full of white teeth. He reached out to me with a large black hand that had fingers that ended in points. And that was all I remember. The next morning, my sister was found in the living room. My mom assumed she was sleepwalking. But then again, that morning was the only time in my life that I really saw my mom scared and uncertain. That was the story. I, you know, I, I, I made contact with this guy. And I asked him if he wanted to come on, you know, speak a little more about this encounter with the hat man. Maybe even, uh, I, I believe they call him the grinning man. You know, it's like a, a sub-series of the hat man. Um, but he, he wasn't so sure. He didn't really necessarily want to come on, which is why I didn't want to, you know, name any names here. But that is a, a pretty darn creepy story. <laughs> I mean, that would scare the shit out of me if I woke up and saw uh, a grinning hat man uh, reaching towards me. I mean, I'd, I would definitely shit myself. I mean, I say that all the time. I, I would, I, it doesn't matter what I would see. If it's scary, I'm just going to shit my pants. Like, it doesn't matter. Uh, Bigfoot, dog man, grinning man. It don't, It doesn't, it really honestly doesn't matter. I'm just going to shit my pants. So, um, that's that story. Now, I have another one. Let me bring it up. It's quite a bit longer. Um, and it involves a man, a dude, a guy who was stationed he at a uh, uh, Fort Greg Adams, which up until you know a couple years ago was was named Fort Lee in Petersburg, Virginia, and apparently it's not far from where his encounter happened. All right, so let's get into this. Hello, Nick and Almost Cannon crew, and um, first off, I'm gonna stop you right there. Uh, there really isn't an almost canon crew. You know, it's kind of just uh, me. So, thank you. <laughs> I mean, uh, my wife obviously distracts the children while I'm recording, so I guess she's considered part of the crew. But, uh, but yes, thank you. You know, and I'm, I'm, I am so happy. Like, I, you know, I get weird emails every now and then of these weird encounters, and I love to hear them, but I've, I've, this is the first time I've really ever got one that's so in-depth and downright frightening. So, alright. Hello, Nick and Almost Cannon crew. I will be leaving my name out of this message due to potential repercussions and the fact that I am stationed at Fort Greg, Greg Adams, a.k.a. Fort Lee in Petersburg, Virginia, not far from where my encounter happened. The pandemic was in full swing, and I was only weeks into my stay at the ordinance school there at FGA, uh, Fort Greg Adams, when I heard rumors of an old Civil War-era house perfectly preserved somewhere in the swamps outside the base. This was a story that instantly grabbed my full attention, and the first chance I got to leave base, I took off 
with a couple friends and we went looking for this house. The word was it could be found in the southern half of the Pocahontas State Park, which wasn't far from the base, and actually made a lot of sense. You see, the Pocahontas State Park was nearly 8,000 acres of woodland filled with countless miles of hiking trails, several lakes, public campgrounds, and even a YMCA camp for children. So we started by hiking the trails on the south end. We checked out the maps, established a starting point, and then covered as much ground as possible. And after we had searched all the trails, we began looking off trail. We even started asking other hikers if there had ever heard if they had ever heard of the house, but none had. Of course, it seemed like everyone on base had heard of this place, but when we were off base, we got nothing except for this one guy. While I was out one morning at a local flea market looking for a new side table, I happened to mention my mission to find the house in passing, and one of the vendors spoke up and told me that he and a friend had found the home as a child. At first, he sounded real excited. He was telling us his story with the house and how he had heard the story from an uncle. He even started to tell me where it was or where he remembered it being, but I told him I was looking to go there and he clammed up. At the time, I assumed the house was on private property or this guy had been stealing Civil War relics from it and selling them at his stand. I didn't know what his deal was, but I was excited not only to talk to a local about the house, but get actual directions to its location. So that weekend, me and my main buddy there, uh, the one who had been searching for this house with me, set off towards the coordinates provided by the antique dealer. And let me tell you, it didn't take us long. It didn't take long for us to figure out why this old man didn't want us going there. I would say it took another two weekends worth of camping trips to find what I had dubbed the Civil War House. And when I did, it didn't take long for me to wish I didn't. We had spent the entire day trudging around the perimeter of this swamp. I should have known something was wrong right away as the GPS we were using and all the maps I had seen of the area showed nothing but woodland and forests. Anyways, we had walked the perimeter of this swamp looking for an easy way in when we came across an old dirt road. It was actually more like a wagon trail. And when I say that, I mean there was grass, ferns, and all sorts of growth in between two completely bare tire tracks. Now, that's not all that weird. So I didn't think anything of that either. So it was right about now that I got real excited. We had been told the house was here, and now there was an old-fashioned road leading into what had to be the thickest part of the forest. I was definitely thinking that if the house was here, it was in these woods. And I wasn't wrong. We had walked down this cart path for only a few minutes when this big, beautiful home came into view. Now, I was imagining a huge plantation-like manor house. Something big and square with pillars that span the entire front in a fenced-in drive with perfectly planted trees on either side that stretched for a quarter mile. But what we saw was something totally different. There were pillars, but only a couple. 
There were two floors and an attic. The painted white siding was all brown and rotted, and the majority of the windows were intact. All in all, it didn't look like a fairly well-preserved home. Not being from the area, I didn't know how to tell if it was a Civil War era house, but it did give off some antebellum vibes. And I figured a quick look around within the interior would answer our questions. So after we admired the house's outside and our own detective work, we went inside. And from the moment I stepped foot on that first step, I knew something wasn't right. I could feel it in my bones. It was so strong. I remember looking around the porch because I could have sworn someone was there watching us, but no one was there. I was surprised to find that whoever owned the old place didn't lock the door. It was clearly an abandoned house, and someone must have owned the property. But they clearly weren't worried about trespassers because I barely touched the doorknob when it slowly swung inwards. Now, the house's interior was drastically different than the exterior. While the exterior was a little banged up and weathered, the interior looked as though a tornado had ripped through each room. The walls were knocked in as if something had hit the old plaster or someone had been punching the walls. Huge holes had been opened up all over. It's what caught my eye instantly. There was furniture within the house, And it did look old, very old. But even the furniture had been broken up and destroyed. All the doors had been removed from their hinges and were laying on the floors. And I even remember a couple that were just barely hanging on. And when I talk about doors being all over, I mean it. There was a door for each and every doorway in the house. I'm guessing at one point it had something to do with conserving heat during the winters, but I don't know. So we explored the downstairs for a bit, wandering in and out, but finding nothing of note. I did hear what I thought were footsteps coming from above us, but my buddy never said anything, and I chalked it up to being an old broken house. When we wandered upstairs, and this is where the weird stuff started happening. So the upstairs looked much like the downstairs, broken walls and furniture, missing doors, that sort of thing. In the back At the end of a plaster-filled hallway was a closed door, which instantly grabbed my attention. I decided to check out that room first, hoping that it would have something related to the Civil War inside. I swear that that door opened on its own as I reached for the door handle, but ignoring that, I slowly pushed open the door to find somebody's bedroom. There was a fully made bed in the corner, a dresser with a vanity mirror on top, and a rocking chair. The first thing that creeped me out was the rocking chair. It rocked back and forth on its own as if someone had just been sitting in it. This made the hair on the back of my neck stand straight up, and I looked around the room to see if anybody had just jumped up and was now hiding. Like I said, there was only a bed dresser and the chair in the room, so there wasn't too many places for someone to hide. But as I looked around the room, something caught my eye. I froze for a moment, unsure of what to do. The fact they were hiding made me think they wouldn't attack. But that thought was quickly replaced by the thought of being ambushed as I walked through the door. 
so as I looked around the room, the angle of the mirror showed me that something was behind the door. I couldn't see much, but from I could see, it was very tall and very thin. I knew that they knew I had seen them. As I looked into the whites of its eyes, I felt its breath on my face from the crack in the open door. Now that was when I started to back away real slowly. My buddy had caught up to me about this time and was asking me what was wrong. I tried to quietly shush him and wave him back, but he only started paying attention when the door slowly began to close on its own. I had managed to move maybe 20 feet down the hallway when the thing peeked at us from behind the half-closed door. Except it didn't look around the side, it looked over the top. Whatever it was, because it clearly wasn't human, used its long, bony fingers to grip the top of the door. I can remember this all happening very slow. Like a movie or something. One hand's fingers slowly stretched down the top of the door, followed by the other, and then it carefully looked over. Only its eyes were visible between the top of the door and the frame. They were like white lights in the darkness of the room's shadow. The next thing I knew, the door was being slammed shut. It was this slam that knocked me out of my frozen state. I can remember like jumping back but remaining still and then looking back and forth between the door and my buddy who had drawn his pistol at this point. I can remember him yelling, what is that man? What is that man? And then the door burst open. Something came running out. My friend discharged his sidearm from behind. I swear I was down those stairs and outside even before I heard the weapons report. We never looked back. Not even once. I knew that if we had killed someone, that old man from the flea market would identify me to the police, but they never came. It's been two years now, and I still haven't even set foot in the Pocahontas State Park. I have no idea what that thing was, and I had pushed it all from my mind until I saw the movie Smile. What happens at the end of that movie made me sick for days. I literally slept with the lights on for a good week before my girlfriend convinced me to turn them off. But what I saw at the end of Smile was all too familiar. And now that I've seen it again, I will never forget. That thing back at that bedroom at the Civil War house was tall. Real tall. It had to hunch down to make it through the doorway which is what I think gave us the time we needed to get out of there. I remember it being practically naked. A dirty white dress, three sizes, too small, with some sort of floral pattern clung to its unnaturally stretched out body, and thin strands of whitish gray hair hung from its balding head. But what I remember most was the sickening look it had on its face. I remember it turning its head in delight as it looked back at us with a twisted, full smile. All right. So that was his story. Like, that is insane. I mean, if that honestly happened to him, um, I am never... 
going hiking again. Like I'm not I'm never going if I see an abandoned building um anywhere, I'm not going in it at all. Like case closed. Last week or you know, I, I reposted the episode last week, but um a while ago I talked to Nick Alduini who, you know, he's this urban explorer dude. He goes in these abandoned buildings all the time. They had some sort of encounter with a demon, a demonic shadow being, um, you know, at Elmcrest Hospital. Uh, and then this week, I get an email from a dude who who goes into this abandoned house um, and sees this this scary fucking monster thing. I don't even know what it is, but that's it for me. You know, I'm not I'm not stepping foot in an abandoned house ever again. Not that I have uh, in the last. 20 years, but if I get the opportunity, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing it. Like, count me out. Um, now, like I said, um, this dude wishes to remain anonymous, and, and I guess, I mean, if he's, you know, at this military base, I can un- totally understand why. This is not, definitely not something you want, um, coming out, you know, under your name, ruining your reputation, especially if you're in the military. I mean, it is, it is, it's definitely hard to believe, that's for sure. Um, but, but what, what did he, you know, what did he, um, see? What, what did they see in, in that house? And, and what was that house? Like, one thing that, that stuck out to me was when he was talking about um, walking around a swamp that apparently didn't show up on any maps. Now, that was weird. Um, I know he had mentioned something about swamps in the beginning, so obviously there's swamps in the area, but I would guess, I would imagine, that if you're looking at a map on a GPS and a um, paper map, then it would show you you know, a wetland versus regular, you know, hardwood forest, you know. Uh, so that stuck out to me. The next thing that stuck out to me was his instant feeling that something wasn't right and that he was being watched as he was walking into the house. And I also noticed that the doors kind of seemed to open by themselves, which I thought was weird. Um definitely, you know, whoever owns that house, I feel like, does, you know, I, I just got the weird feeling that they know what is going on there and they don't care. Like, they're leaving the doors unlocked for God knows who to just walk on in um, and get eaten by a, what is that, a, a pale crawler? Um, I don't know, a witch lady? Like, I don't, it, it's so, it's hard to picture. I mean, I, that smile movie, I don't think I've seen it. I've seen, um, I've seen a, uh, a, um, you know, maybe I have seen it. I'm not sure. I know I've seen something on, uh, a YouTube of like a creepy ass looking monster crawling into someone's mouth. And I think that was from the movie Smile. But, but I don't know. I, w- w- what I picture when I think of this is, is it chapter two when the girl there, Beverly, goes to her old, her old apartment 
um, and she's talking to this old lady, and that lady, like, transforms into, you know, this giant, tall, scraggly-looking old lady. That's what I pictured. And I know I had talked about seeing something and shitting my pants earlier. Now, if that was me, and I was in there, and I was him, I probably would have definitely shit my pants. There's there's no debating that. <laughs> I would have fucking shit my pants so fast. And his buddy just, like, discharged, shooting off his fucking handgun. Now, he was quick on his feet. I mean, he was not letting them get eaten by any sort of monster. That's for sure. Um, you know, and it's probably not the best thing to do. Just rant, you know, shoot random people, I guess, if that's what you want to call it, in an abandoned house, because, I don't know, maybe they were just freaked out, and it was a homeless dude charging them, and they just, like, shot and killed this homeless guy. Or, you know, maybe, you know, but nobody knows. I mean, he obviously thought of that. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, when I'm in the woods, I definitely carry my my handgun. Um, it's, it's kind of hard not to when you hear stories like this all the time, but, but yeah, I mean, that story is just so, it's so wild, like, it, it, it's, it's, it's crazy, I can't believe that something like that would happen to somebody, it, it's so wild, I mean, I don't even know where to begin, like, I, like, I have, I have time slips in my mind, pale crawlers, you know, the Blair Witch, like, I don't know. I don't. I don't even know how to begin to describe that. There's something unnatural going on in this house. I even believe the house to be unnatural itself. Like it's some sort of of like the house is alive and it's trapping people. You know, it recognized that that this guy and his buddy had put all this time into finding it. And it showed itself, um, you know, it appeared in the middle of a swamp that was technically the middle of the woods, you know, it kind of just appeared in this area and they found it and they went inside and it's got like a a dweller in there, you know, wherever the house came from, from the, the fey realm, some sort of fey creature got inside, made it its home, and now it just waits you know, it just waits for someone to come along. Uh, but yeah, that, that, oh man, that got to me. And when he, you know, I, I, don't, I don't need to keep rehashing bits and pieces of the story, but, but damn, that, that, that is an encounter. Um, so yeah, uh, that's pretty much the show tonight. I mean, I don't have a whole lot. I, I, I have been doing some research on the Bennington Triangle, some more research. I kind of picked up where we left off from our last Bennington Triangle episode. I've been looking into, like, uh, this this god, this Abenaki god that supposedly lives on the summit of the mountain, and what, you know, if there is some sort of, of um, god-like being that is, that is kind of, like, sleeping... Under the mountain, you know, it may be his power is what's causing all this, this, this mysterious stuff to happen within the triangle. And 
you know, it's obviously not something you can find a whole lot of evidence for, but I have found some pretty interesting stuff on the the, the stone carns on the mountain. Um, you know, obviously I go back, I, I kind of went over the, the, the history of the ghost town and why, you know, what happened there. Um, and I, I kind of want to get into like, <clears throat> could these, these gods, you know, worshipped by not even necessarily, um, you know, indigenous people of, of America or Canada, but I'm talking like all around the world. Could these are gods that we see in myth- mythology, could they actually be like, you know, fallen angels or Nephilim? And I kind of want to get into that on next week's episode. So I've been doing the research. I've got a guest coming on who's who's a somewhat local of the Bennington area. Um, and we're just going to get on. We're going to talk about this weird stuff. We're going to talk about the mountains some more. I'm hoping to get up there soon. You know, November, the end of the the end of October, and all through November into December, this is the month where the where you know those five people they went missing. So I'm hoping to get up there. You know, go to some of these places where they were last seen. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of my game plan for next week and the weeks after. Um, October didn't go. The way I had planned, you know, life got in the way, but that's that's fine. I really hope that this week's episode made up for all that. But yeah, that's the show for tonight. Please leave a rating, leave a review. Like I said before, we're holding steady 26 reviews. Um, I know we're not doing bad, you know, we're not doing bad work as we got 25 five-star reviews and one one-star review from, you know, practically a year ago, you know, so please leave us a rating, leave us a review, we need more of those five stars, it helps the show get discovered by other listeners, and if you, don't forget, if you have an encounter with something mysterious or the paranormal, please email us at almostcanonpod at gmail.com, and yeah, that definitely sounds almost canon to me.